Welcome to the Anything and Everything podcast. Anything, everything, and all that's in between. We are your hosts, Rowan and Ty, and today we're getting back to the not the basics, but the the start. We're going to take it's the circle of life. We are returning to <laughs> Romeo and Juliet this time with Act Two. Tyra, say hello. Hello, I am here, and that is exactly what we're doing. We are here to continue our little Romeo and Juliet trend with Act Two, Prologue, and Scene One. Uh, no, we're we're very much looking forward to it. And you may wonder what happened to the last episode of uh, last month. What happened? I we do apologize, folks. We're sorry. We do. We're very sorry. We, you know, we recorded an episode. We recorded it, and we realized, wow, that was shitty. And so we... Yeah, and we don't want to put out content that we're ultimately not happy with. Yeah. So we just yeah. decided to forfeit last week, um, put it in the past, put it behind us, shake it off a little bit, and just hop right back in with Romeo hop and Juliet right this week. In. Yeah, no, so, we are um, 100% super duper excited for this. You people loved the Shakespeare stuff, especially. Um and yeah, we we hope we hope you enjoy is what we're gonna say. Because we certainly will. <laughs> oh, and stay tuned to the end for a special announcement regarding a very exciting announcement. A very exciting announcement regarding us, our journey, our our weird spiritual journey through this weird twisted world. You're I'm making excited. it sound. You're making it sound something that's not. <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, stay tuned. Will should be easy, seeing as this should be easy to listen to. So, without further ado, we ideas, sure hope we have a question. We have a question. Which is? We have a question. Which is? What if we knew nothing about history? How would the world be different? What if we knew nothing about history? See, when I saw this question initially, when I was looking to. Um, get one for this episode my first thought was 1984 and i was like well they essentially don't know anything about history and if you take it in the sense of like what if we know nothing about history because like we're not being allowed to know anything about history because it's all been a race and it's all been like we were under very strict um not i guess not guidelines but very strict um you got this law i suppose i can't Anyway, very strict law, I suppose, to not learn about history, to not know what happened. Um, what That was kind of my initial thought with that. But also there's like, what if we just simply couldn't learn anything about history? But I think we'd be a lot... I think to a certain degree, we'd be a lot less nervous. Because a lot of like... I think a lot of, um, especially in like government and um, and leading a new a country, is trying not to let history repeat itself and trying to avoid that. And if we didn't know anything about history, we wouldn't have that concern. So I think there's a certain level of I would not entirely carefree, but just a little bit of like a little less care put into or less um, care about trying to avoid certain things which 100%. could be a good thing could be a bad thing yeah no i and it, it that on further inspection that question needs a bit of identification as to whether or not what how are you defining it so mankind is unable to learn of their history and then that like so is memory thrown out the window or and then 
Also, if it's taking place in the modern day, all these museums, all these catacombs of information, are they just all wiped off the planet, or are they still there and just nobody remembers how they got there, how anything was built, how... I don't know. History is a history yeah. is literally everything before right now. So it's like yeah, that's a like very broad question. We are literally creating history like right as we speak. If that was so true, I think it is a very broad. I think it is definitely a very broad. One hundred percent. I'm gonna go with the idea that everyone just suddenly wipes history wiped completely. So total societal collapse. No one. No one knows. Um, well. Uh, yeah, I mean, to a degree, there is a there is that like, if we have no history and we don't know how we started, what where we came from, what what happened to lead up to what's happening right now, you wouldn't know language. You wouldn't know. That's true. Well, okay, but that is where you know needing a little bit of a little bit more clarification comes disbelief. into play. Yeah, because if it's like, do we, if history is completely wiped out, do we lose? those kind of um natural behaviors that have come to form like speaking like like, speaking. like some it, that inherited like um adaptivity is that a word i doubt it but you know we'll roll with it <laughs> I... we'll roll with it that kind of comes from living in the world for a certain amount of time yeah that so being it's said it... no finish up no. and i i, I don't know what i was saying <laughs> you don't know what you were saying <laughs> i really don't well i i know what i was about to say and that it that question was taking up a little bit of time there which um we don't yeah. we don't want to um we don't want to do love that question i we don't want to tune into the announcement to for more of that for more yes. i can't say i can't say you can't say but it ties in it ties in i promise it ties in so we are left with act two prologue of my Romeo and Juliet. Now, we have the chorus here. A single actor, referred to as the chorus, comes to the front of the stage to deliver this introductory prologue to the second act. All right. This is the last prologue, I believe. I Yes. Yes. This is the last prologue of the entire play. If you remember, in our yep. first episode, we had um, a prologue there as well. Yep. But this is the last one. And, Rowan, would you like to or shall I? Um, okay, so before we could do that, we are going to do this in a, we're going to read the entirety of the scene, mm -hmm. or in this case, the prologue, and then go back and analyze it. So when we get to act one, we'll read that, not act one, when we get to scene one, we'll read out the entire scene, um, and then go back. So we're going to be taking roles, and because I want to do Mercutio, you can do the prologue. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. It does make sense. Now old desire doth in his deathbed lie, and young affection gapes to be his heir. That fair for which love groaned for and would die, with tender Juliet matched, is now not fair. Now Romeo is beloved and loves again, alike bewitched by the charm of looks. But to his foe suppose he must complain, and she steal love's sweet bait from fearful hooks. Being held a foe, he may not have access to breathe such vows as lovers use to swear. And she is much in love, her means much less to meet her new beloved anywhere. But passion lends them power, time, t time means to meet, tempering extremities with extreme sweet. Exunt. All right. Thank you. Thank See, you. I can, I I can do this. 
See, I can do this now that we have video form on YouTube, so go check that out. Which, if you are watching this on YouTube... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't planned, I promise. Um, but yes, applause. Beautifully applause, red. thank you. Well, I tripped up once, but... Hey, no matter. still beautifully red. So, we have these opening lines. Now, old desire doth in his deathbed lie. Doth meaning does, obviously. And personification, just a little bit. Old desire and young affection. So, Romeo's emotions have been personified. His love for Rosalind, his old desire, is like an elderly person on his deathbed. Well, his love for Juliet is young affection. So, yeah, it you're already biting the bullet here, getting into it with... Um, Get two lines of... in, and it's very flowery. <laughs> it's very flowery. This one chorus yeah. member is uh, really playing up a storm. What's next, Ron? What's next? That fair... For which love groaned for and would die with tender Juliet matched is fair. So that fair in which this uh, case meaning beauty. So that beauty for which love groaned for and would die with tender Juliet matched or compared is now not fair. Again, meaning beautiful. So um, we have Romeo's Juliet. Not Romeo's Juliet. We have Romeo's emotions <laughs> um, being personified there and down here right my notes are a little crazy not gonna lie i made need to make sure i was looking at the right thing um so that fair beauty nope that beauty for which love grown for and would die with tender juliet compared is now not beautiful so here they're referring to rosalind which um we discussed in the previous act um romeo was lusting for this rosalind and just was just so so hopelessly in love with this woman that he could not live like he would not do anything yeah. now <laughs> um so now with these first four lines we're hearing that this love for rosalind now with his love for juliet um let's well, for love for Lo rosalind is no more rosalind is not rosalind is gone out of the picture <laughs> out of the picture um yeah no i i Perfect. And of course, now Romeo is beloved and loves again, alike bewitched by the charm of looks. All right, let me take that, that two lines. So now Romeo is beloved and loves again. So unlike before with the whole Rosalind thing, um, that's where the loves again comes in. He loved Rosalind and now is moving on to Juliet. Now that beloved, this is actually the first time he himself is, is loved. At least in this That's play, really it is quite sad. That but seeing as how of. annoying it is, it's um, <laughs> it's quite, a, it it makes sense. Alike bewitched oh. by the charm of looks, both lovers are bewitched by the other's looks, which makes complete sense. Seeing as um how they've had zero time to really know each other, but that do you really need that <laughs> when you've got not looks. according to this play, not according to this play. According to this play, you can love one woman one moment, see another beautiful woman, love them the next. And there's some wordplay two lines down from that, but go for it, Rowan, take it away. All right. But to his foe supposed he must complain, and she steal love's sweet bait from fearful hooks. Um, so we've got a lot to dive into in these two lines. Um, to start out, but to his foe supposed, to his assumed enemy he must complain, and she must steal love's sweet bait from fearful hooks. So here we've got some conventional love poetry, um, some traditional love poetry. 
Um, and we see this in a couple ways. Um, to start, um, we kind of see that metaphor of love as war, in which case Juliet here is Romeo's um, assumed pretend enemy. Besides um, his boo. That too. Um, <laughs> and then um, the traditional suitor must complain to his beloved how much he's suffering without her. Um, which we're seeing here, but to his foe, supposed he must complain. Um, and then in another metaphor, so here she must steal love's sweet bait from fearful hooks. Um, we see Juliet being compared to a fish trying to steal steal bait um, from a hook without getting caught on said hook. Um, now, if you remember from our previous uh, delves into Romeo and Juliet, he loves those um, innuendos, those sex metaphors, he if you will. Not get enough of those things, especially in especially when we come back to Mercutio in a few moments. But um. <laughs> Oh. crazy but anyway as i was saying um in this metaphor with the second line um which is a, tr a traditional interpretation is that she is trying to get romeo's attention without giving in to sex um but in this specific um situation there's another interpretation in which juliet is trying to get romeo's affection without um without dealing with the family drama, without um, the danger uh, that comes with their family's animosity. Um, Being held a foe, yeah. he may not have access to breathe such vows as lovers use to swear. So those two lines. Being held a foe, he may not have access. So because he's an enemy of the House of Capulet, he's a Montague, he may not have access to Juliet. So being held a Montague, a foe, he may not have access to Juliet to breathe, or to say, rather, such vows as lovers use to swear. So you swear an oath, you swear a vow, and you're in this case, lovers use to swear their love. So because, to recap, because Romeo's a Montague, and therefore a foe to the house of Juliet, the Capulets, he may not have access to her, and... Um, by that logic, he will not be able to breathe such vows as lovers use to swear. He will not be able to say what lovers say. Yeah, so we are getting, before I continue, we are getting a lot of, um, I don't want to say exposition, but a lot of um, the chorus here is really explaining their situation to us, really laying it out as clear as, the pro as he can. That this is their situation right now. Um, as if you didn't like, <laughs> it's as if you didn't just sit through an entire act of this play. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's they're really just summing it up for you, really getting you ready. One hundred percent. But let me just continue, finish out this thought here. And she is much in love. Her means much less to meet her new love anywhere. So um, I'll dive into the. We got a little. We're starting with a little bit of rhyming here. Um, with that swear anywhere, but um, and she is much in love. So Juliet being just as in love, her her ability is much less to meet her new beloved anywhere. So being a foe, he may not have access to Juliet to breathe such vows. Um, this is saying neither does Juliet. Juliet does not. Juliet has just as little ability to meet with Romeo, um, and she is just as in love with him as he is. 
her. Um, He's just in love with him as he is with himself. (laughs) I'm trying. Um, (laughs) So really with those four lines, it's just like neither of them can, neither of them have the freedom or the ability to really be in love with the other, to meet with the other, to enjoy each other's company. Excellent. Take it literally. So, but passion lends them power. Time means to meet, tempering extremities with extreme heat. So let me just go over that in English, and then I'll break it down. But passion lends them power. Time lends them um, means to meet. And reducing difficulties with extreme sweet. What does that mean? So although they have all of this adversity in their way, they have passion, which lends them power. Power of course, means ability. So because they have this passion, they will have this ability. And time um, has granted them an opportunity to meet and reducing difficulties with extreme sweet. So this will hopefully put a dampener on the Capulet and Montague rage. That's one interpretation. Um, As well as the reducing difficulties with extreme sweet, reducing the difficulties of just them seeing each other, period. Excellent. Yeah. And um, before we move on, um, I just want to bring notice to the form here. Um, we have some uh, some rhyming. Uh, mm-hmm. cannot remember the exact term for it, but essentially it's A, B, A, B, um, C, D, C, D, etc. Sonnet form. Um, I, I, too, exa- I, yes. You know what? I'll look it up yeah. while I'm here. Um, but it's, it is the form seen in Shakespeare's sonnets. Um, so it's uh, definitely noticeable. And then off with a little couplet there, meet sweet. Um, so to just go through these rhymes here, um, we got lie, die, air, fair. Um, and OP, this would likely be again, complain. Looks, hooks, access, much less, swear, anywhere, mean, meet sweet. Um, so it's very formal, very, very, very um, conducive to Shakespeare with this chorus speaking here here's um, what i've found so I, I i'm almost positive you're right there must be some sort of actual term denoting the exact sonnet form or maybe that form is simply a sonnet but here we have shakespeare's sonnets are composed of 14 lines and most are divided into three quatrains and the final concluding quatrains couplet. that's what i was quatrains. looking for great yeah, so we've got some quatrains here, um, sonnet form. Uh, yeah, that's really all I wanted to say. I just wanted to bring that up before we move on. Um, so to recap, what we're what the prologue is in the chorus is telling us here is Romeo no longer loves Rosalind. He is instead in love with Juliet. Um, Juliet is. Right. So, <laughs> um, Romeo and Juliet are supposed enemies. They're from families with much animosity, um, and because of this, they really can't see each other. Like, see each other, um, and they can't really be together properly. Um, but you know, passion tends to do Find what it a will. Way. Passion finds a way. Passion Love finds, finds a way. way. Um, or I guess 
quote unquote love as they've known each other all of five minutes. But that's not the point. Now quintessential it. love at first sight. <laughs> hey, we love it. All right. Um, Excellent. So, Act Two, Scene One. Act Two, Scene One. Here we go. We are greeted um, by, and I'll just read the little um introductory direction here. The Capulets' party has ended, and Romeo is headed home down a lane which runs alongside the orchard behind the Capulet mansion. A wall separates the lane from the orchard. Yeah. So in this scene, we've got a um, couple lines of Romeo before he leaves, and then we're left with Benvolio and Mercutio. Um, I take it I'll read for Mercutio, and then... You'll read for Mercutio, which means you'll also need to quickly... Just the first line. Yep. Gotcha. And then you can do Benfolio. Yeah? Yeah. Excellent. Love it. So, let me just... Okay. I'll go ahead and get us started here. Can I go forward when my heart is here? Turn back dull earth and find thy center out. Romeo. My cousin Romeo. He is wise and (laughs) on my life hath... Stole him home to bed. He ran this way, and leaped this orchard wall. Call, good Mercutio. Nay, I'll conjure too. Romeo, humors, madman, passion. Appear thou in the likeness of a sigh. Speak but one rhyme, and I am satisfied. Cry but I me, pronounce but love and dove. Speak to my gossip Venus one fair word, one nickname for her purblind son and heir. Young Abraham Cupid, he that shot so trim, when King Cofetua loved the beggar maid, he heareth not, he stirreth not, he moveth not. The ape is dead, and I must conjure him. I conjure thee by Rosalind's bright eyes, by her high forehead and her scarlet lip, by her fine foot, straight leg, and quivering thigh, and the demesnes that there adjacent lie. But in thy likeness thou appeared us. And if he hear thee, thou wilt anger him. This cannot anger him. Would anger him to raise a spirit in his mistress's circle of some strange nature, letting it there stand till she had laid it and conjured it down. That were some spite. My invocation is fair and honest in his mistress's name. I conjure only but to raise up him. Come, he hath hid himself among these trees to be consorted with the humorous knight. Blind is his love, and best befits the dark. If love be blind, love cannot hit the mark. Now will he sit under a meddler tree and wish his mistress were. That kind of fruit as maids called meddlers when they laugh alone. Oh, Romeo, that she were, oh, that she were, an open arse, thou a pauperin pair. Romeo, good night. All to my truckle bed, this field bed is too cold for me to sleep. Come, shall we go? Go then, for tis in vain to seek him here that means not to be found. If what um, we said exit. made absolutely no sense of you, do not worry, because we are about to dive right in. So yeah, I will say really quickly. I I know I like it. Looks seems like I was just not know what I was doing there. But um, at the start of that scene, <laughs> what are you uh, well, because I was okay. Anyway, um, my version has Romeo, my cousin Romeo, Romeo. So I was waiting for the extra Romeo, and it wasn't coming. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, n- no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Romeo, my cousin Romeo. Yeah, no, that's all I've got for you, unfortunately. But um, excellent. So I in this in these first two lines that Romeo has that start off the scene, we have "Can I go forward when my heart is here? Turn back, dull earth, and find thy center out." Okay, so we've got a bit of language. 
turn back dull earth and find thy center out. So earth to earth, ash to ashes, dust to dust. Very common religious metaphor which distinguishes between our physical bodies and our spiritual souls. Romeo is using this metaphor when directing his physical body, his dull earth, to go back to Juliet's house because that's where his heart and soul are. Notice he makes this very, very, very clever pun. <laughs> it's the most, the cleverest. The cleverest. He makes on the word earth. He's drawn toward Juliet just as earth or dirt is drawn by gravity to its own center, the earth's center. So a lot to unpack there and just those two lines, but um, yeah, yes. I think we find a lot with this play specifically is when they're like really down in their feels, they can say like two words and suddenly you're like writing a whole paper. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. Um, yeah. So he leaves and then Benvolio and Rocuccio enter um, looking for Romeo. Um, just to be specific, because it does, it is important for the scene next. He climbs over the wall into the garden, into the orchard. Yes. So. Yeah. Which one thing with um, Shakespeare is that he doesn't include a ton of stage directions, like really just enter, exit, and then small directions that are like very important to the plot. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, he kind of leaves it up to whoever's putting on the play to take creative liberty with that. Um, and a lot of it's simply context clues to figure out um, with the scene in the next um, where he goes. But um, just so, a little note there. I, I would imagine you'd want to analyze a bit of Mercutio, seeing as he is your favorite. <laughs> oh, I would. All right, so um, Benvolio, I'll just... We basically can skip that bit. Romeo, my cousin Romeo, he enters. Where is that guy? Romeo, my cousin Romeo. Mercutio comes in. Being all Mercutio, he's wise and on my life hath stolen him to bed. So here he's saying, he's wise and I swear on my life hath stolen him, stolen himself to bed. Um, so essentially he's just saying, yo, Benvolio, Romeo is not here. He's home. He's asleep. Um, and I want to, there's no point in looking for him right now. Um, so not too much yet. Benvolio, would you like to take that? He ran this way and leaped this orchard wall. Call good Mercutio. So, I don't know how they found that. Maybe they saw him just as Romeo was uh, popping over, or maybe he left some tracks. I don't know. It depends on how you direct it. That being said, so he ran this way and leaped this orchard wall. Very self-explanatory. He leaped this way and uh, he ran this way and leaped this orchard wall. Call him good Mercutio. So, yell out to him. Yeah. And you could also see this as perhaps um, a little sly, a little stage direction there in which Shakespeare might be saying, guys, this is what he did. So uh, <laughs> didn't put a stage direction there, but uh, use your brain. Right in my um, mug. So, all right, this next little Mercutio speech has got a lot to unpack. Um, oh, yeah. So I'll just read through the first couple thoughts here. Nay, I'll conjure too. Romeo, humors, madman, passion, lover, appear thou in the likeness of a sigh. So, um, nay, I'll conjure too. A, a Romeo humors or infatuation, madman, passion, lover. So essentially, he's kind of poking fun at Romeo right now. He's not really taking any of this all too seriously. Um, but when does he ever? Never. Um, appear thou in the likeness of a sigh. Um, so here the word uh, conjure, as we see in that first line, 
Um, it is from the Latin con and I a chair, um, w- meaning with an oath. There you go, the one that take- actually takes Latin. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it originally meant to accomplish something by the uttering of a sacred oath. Um, but, you know, um, by the time of Shakespeare, by the time he was writing this, the um, conjurer had a very specific and different, not different, but a specific meaning. And it meant to make a devil or a spirit appear by summoning it with a sacred name. Um, so think like a seance that you see in like a movie or something where a group sits around a table attempting to conjure up the spirit of someone who's passed um, to the other side. And so here Mercutio jokingly attempts to conjure up the spirit of the lovesick Romeo. Which also um, harkens back to our little, um, allow me to scroll. Go ahead. Can I go forward when my heart is here? Turn back the earth and find thy center out. It's, it's harkening back to the separation of physical and spiritual. Yeah, there's a lot of that here. Um, so, of course, asking the spirit to appear in the form of a sigh is absurd, since that's just invisible. It's a sound. Um, yeah. So he's using a lot of cleverness here. Not clever, that's not a word. A lot of clever wordplay to essentially just poke fun at the entire matter and not take anything seriously, which I think describes Mercutio's character quite well. <laughs> a lot of clever wordplay to hide the fact that he simply does not care. <laughs> Speak but one rhyme and I am satisfied. Cry but I me and pronounce but love and dove. So, of course, speak but one rhyme. It's That's a very, very, very famous little tidbit of text right there. So Mercutio expects a lover's spirit to be able to recite your typical love poem, which should include the cry of woe, a me, and the rhyme love and dove, or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I, I'm not particularly sure. Maybe, to, uh, maybe because it rolls off the tongue so well, but... That's become and, a very you know, popular line. The dove is the sacred animal to Aphrodite or Venus, the goddess of love. So you've got that easy rhyme there along with that little um, hint to mythology and Venus. So, um, yeah, great stuff. Great um, nod. Great nod. We love a nod. Um, okay. There's a lot in, in these next few lines, so... <laughs> Um, you want to take yeah, the, the mythological and I'll take uh, cultural? Absolutely. Okay. Speak to my gossip Venus one fair word, nickname for her blind son and heir, young Abraham Cupid, he that shot so trim. So here, speak to my gossip Venus one fair word. Um, we all know Venus, the goddess of love. Um, one nickname for her purblind or just blind son and heir, young Abraham Cupid. So, you know, the like the baby with the arrow that shoots the arrow, you know, Cupid. We all know Cupid. He that shot so trim. So there's a little bit of discourse surrounding this line here. Scholars, they don't agree. They don't agree on why Mercutio is talking about Cupid with the name young Abraham here. Um, And so we again have a couple interpretations. Um, to start, Abraham is a reference to the biblical character who is usually portrayed as a wise old man. And although Cupid is portrayed as a boy, typically, um, he was old in the sense that he was one of the first gods that were created. Um, and seeing as his love was 
necessary for the other guys <laughs> to procreate because obviously they couldn't fall in love by themselves. Um, so yeah, so that's one reference. Goodness um, knows the they've next... done a lot of that. <laughs> so much of it. Um, the second interpretation is that Abraham was also a reference to an Abraham man, someone who had license to beg on the public streets because he was physically or mentally impaired. And such a person might resemble Cupid because he was either half-clothed and or blind. Um, so there's that. Three, instead of young Abraham Cupid, Shakespeare actually wrote young Adam Cupid, a reference to Adam Bell, a famous archer during Shakespeare's day. So this one line has many um possible explanations um which is it's always interesting to me it's it's always interesting when um when you when he writes like one line and there's like nobody really knows nobody knows adds some mystery to it yeah um there's a lot there and there's a lot there directly and, after that uh, is a little compliment to the cupid line he that shot so true when king cofetua is what I'm going to go with. I'm probably butchering yep. that. Please forgive me. Hey. Loved the beggar maid. And so, you know, to throw that into an old English cipher, um, that young, wise old man Cupid, the one who shot wise. his arrow into King Cofetua to make him fall in love with that there beggar girl. So, yeah, it's, they're just hearkening back to good old Cupid and his role in all of this and, um, you gotta love some good old Greek mythology references. Yeah. And, um, one more thing is that, um, really, another thing that I think is interesting about lines that have multiple interpretations is it leaves a lot of creative license to the director, to the actor, whoever, um, whoever may you, uh, to, like, really think about what is being said and what is happening and make a decision on how to play it. I am because almost, it, I, I almost it, hope that uh, Shakespeare had no idea what he was writing and we're all I, just assigning makes, it almost meaning. makes it better. That makes it so much better because it's like, we're, it, it's like, it, it wasn't meant to be that deep. We're just all making it that deep. And it, that's hilarious to me. And while there's small little interpretational difference, I think if you really die, you can, it can be a minor character. Shift. Yeah. So, um, anyway, all that said. So, um, then he speaks to Benvolio for a little bit. He heareth not, he stirreth not, he moveth not. The ape is dead, and I must conjure him. So, here, Mercutio is referring to a street performer's act in which a monkey has been trained to play dead, or rather it had been in his day. I haven't seen many of these myself, but I'd imagine somewhere in the world they still go on. Um, play dead until it hears its owner call it by its code name, on which it jumps off, not off. <laughs> it jumps off. <laughs> At which point it jumps up as though it had been conjured back to life. So he's saying, Romeo, in quite an accurate little play on words, is um an ape, and we need to say his little code phrase in order to rise him from the dead. <laughs> we need to say his little code word. <laughs> little baby's code word. What's about to come um, up is a whole wall of innuendo. Hey, it's Mercutio. What can you expect? <laughs> uh, All right. Um, I'll just knock out this whole thought. 
I conjure thee by Rosalind's bright eyes, by her high forehead and her scarlet lip, by her fine foot, straight leg, and quivering thigh, and the demesness, I'm not sure that's correct, that there adjacent lie, that in thy likeness thou appear to us. So, um, that one word that I don't know how to pronounce, regions. So we're gonna, we're gonna call it that for now. Um, that thy, your likeness, thou, you appear to us, so that in your likeness you appear to us. Um, it was standard convention of love poetry to describe a woman's physical beauty, starting with her hair and working down to her feet. Um, now, here, Romeo describes Juliet's physical beauty using, using this convention, but she pays... He. He pays special attention to her midsection, so... Um, just, just really focusing in on that one, really? one key... <laughs> And then, of course, Benvolio comes back to all of this and goes, if he hears you make these vulgar, insensitive jokes, you're going to anger the guy. You're going to make him mad. You're going to piss um, him right off. And <laughs> then, um, I know how much you love Mercutio, and I wouldn't want to take him away from you. Go on. Oh, please, no. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Innuendo, Mercutio here we go. <laughs> he talks too much for me to do all of it. So. This whole next paragraph of text is, believe it or not, all innuendo. This cannot Just anger one him. Great big, <laughs> one like. It would anger him to raise. would anger him to raise a spirit in his mistress's cycle of some strange nature, letting it there stand till she had laid it and conjured it down. That were some spite. My invocation is fair and honest, and in his mistress's name. I conjure only but to raise up him, which is a line I usually get tripped up on. Raise him up is what I want to say so badly, but no, it's raise up him. So innuendo. Benvolio cautions Mercutio, as we said, that uh, making fun of Romeo is likely to anger him. If he hear thee, that will anger him. But Mercutio disagrees. His conjuring, he says, would not anger Romeo in the least. He then proceeds to describe the kind of conjuring that would anger Romeo. <laughs> to would anger him to raise a spirit in his mistress's circle. You may have noticed that the fairies and witches are often portrayed as holding hands and dancing in a circle, or at least that's how we picture them nowadays, especially in Macbeth. <laughs> um, but Do you yeah. like my... I, I love your... I love my... Uh, my little... um Dance. Your little frog, your little G. That works. So that works. And they do this in order to conjure these spirits and rise them up. But when Mercutio refers to Romeo's mistress's circle, he's uh, thinking about another kind of circle where something may rise up. What would really irritate Romeo is if Mercutio conjured up some stranger spirit in his mistress's circle. A spirit in his mistress's Guys, circle. Can you tell? Some strange nature. <laughs> And left it standing there until she laid it and conjured it down. Which we can only imagine what that means. Well, yes, I could certainly see how uh, that might irritate Romeo. But Mercutio is not going to conjure up some stranger. Oh, no. It's only Romeo who he will raise up for his mistress's enjoyment. Mm. In his mistress's I name, I, really, I conjure only but I really hope we up. don't have to get any more specific with that i really don't because i don't want to <laughs> take raise up and do with it what you will um, i i remember in uh i believe it was 
my goodness, I forget what the nurse, I believe it was scenes four and five, where um I had to I had to describe <laughs> what they meant by staff. Oh boy. <laughs> I, I was I was listening to that episode in the car, and my mother's like, "Hey, let's let's turn this on," and I'm like, "Sure." Oh no, <laughs> sure, ma. And so, sure, mother dearest, mother dearest, let's let's do that. Let's talk about let's talk about Shakespearean innuendos in the car with my mother. <laughs> See, that's why when my mom asks, "Listen," I just say, "No, <laughs> you don't need to hear that. It's okay." Oh boy. Um. Yeah. So just Mercutio with. With the with the innuendos, and then I'll go ahead and take Benvolio. Um, yeah, I'll take Benvolio here. Come, he hath hid himself among these trees to be rewarded with the humorous night. Blind is his love, and best befits the dark. So Benvolio is just kind of here, like we're trying to find Romeo. Like, shut up. Um, <laughs> to be consorted to keep company with the humorous or moody night. Blind is his blind is his love, and it best befits the dark. Um, so here we've got a familiar proverb: "Love is blind." And as Benvolio puts it, since Romeo's love is blind, and since he is blind, um, it does just as well in the darkness of the orchard. Um, <laughs> oh boy! So. Benvolio is giving him a little bit too much credit, I think. <laughs> just a just a tad. A tad. Hmm. And then, of course, we hop right back into Mercutio, who has, wouldn't you know it, more innuendo. Crazy. Um, one that stretches on to even the middle of his speech. But if we take this, if love be blind, love cannot hit the mark. Now will he sit under a meddler tree and wish his mistress were that kind of fruit as maids call meddlers when they laugh alone. Meddlers. <laughs> when they laugh alone. When they laugh alone. Here's the deal. When they laugh alone. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Got a little bit too excited. We're getting excited here on the uh, anything and everything. Innuendo meddlers. So the maids laugh because to meddle meant to um. Yes. <laughs> 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 what did meddle mean, Ty? Please. So. Explain. I, I made I beseech thee. So to I oh goodness. Um <laughs> I prithee thee, to, I pray thou to um to it meant meddlers meant to um kind of I how do I please how do I say this for a podcast? <laughs> I'm getting so, so mad right now. <laughs> just just <laughs> so if if we meddlers okay. To meddle <laughs> meant to Please oneself, <laughs> if I can put it like that. So a meddler was slang for um someone who pleased oneself. <laughs> they also laugh because of the fruit's nickname, which Mercutio mentions in the next line. So I just put him through so much torture. He got so red, which you on video can see. Jesus um, Christ! <laughs> you're welcome. I I just um, no other my no other phrase or word was popping into my mind besides the obvious which um i'm a good little we're both reading right now i'm a good little um, boy <laughs> a good little lad um which i shan't say okay. it's fine we all we get it i don't want that to be clipped and just for my future political career just <laughs> you mean the one where you're gonna be the potus <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah 100 <laughs> um okay 
I'll take this next little bit. Oh, Romeo, that she were. Oh, that she were. Arse. That I'm a poppering pair. <laughs> Romeo, good night. Out to my truckle bed. This field bed is too cold for me to sleep. So, an open arse or a meddler fruit. Um, <laughs> my truckle bed. My truckle bread. My truckle bed or trundle bread. Oh my god! Trundle bed. Where am I getting bread from? Truckle bed, trundle bed. This field bed, folding cot, is too cold for me to sleep. So it's late. It's late. And Mercutio jokes that it's too cold to stay and sleep in the field bed or a folding <laughs> army cot. Oh, goodness. So he'll go home to use his trundle bed, um, a small bed that is underneath a regular bed used by servants and young children. Certainly not by a nobleman like Mercutio. So he is really... He's really just, he is making so, he's poking so much fun at everything right now. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. then Benvolio pipes up, go then, for it is in vain to seek him here that means not to be found, which is very self-explanatory. Let us go, because we're not going to find someone who means to hide from us. Yeah. So he's like, pretty dejected here he's just if romeo doesn't want to be found he's not going to be found benvolio truly um, the peacekeeper is trying to uh yeah. do the best for romeo whereas mercutio is just having his fun and i think benvolio is also just trying to get you to shut up but <laughs> oh, he's yeah. trying to get he's trying to get this to stop and he's That's just like all right fine if you're gonna be if you're gonna be difficult we can just go he clearly want to be found so yeah um and then they both they exit, and that is the end of scene one. That's the end of scene um, one and this podcast. But we do have some announcements to make. We folks. do for um, next week. Before we do that, next week we got the balcony scene. Be ready, be excited. I know I'm excited. I'm very excited. Um, a classic. Uh, we're gonna really dive into it. Um, yeah. Tear that thing apart. That thing is long. I, it's fact, really long. I'd imagine that that seen by itself will take longer than this podcast which has gone on yeah for which makes me very glad we decided to minutes. which makes me very glad that we did decide to um not include that in today's episode because i oh, it would have goodness. it would have dragged on and it would have been painful for we always underestimate everyone how, involved. Uh, how deep in detail we are going to go we do i think we really do i mean i don't know if we mentioned it to the public but uh we initially thought we would Get through the entirety of Act One in a single episode. It took a month. <laughs> it took a um, month. It took a month, and uh, this this is going to take about a month as well. It's going to take about a month, um, including, with the exception of a Christmas episode, which would lengthen it. But we don't. That's later. That's um, but later. right now, we have some little some announcements that I the people in the chat have been waiting for. That the people in the chat. Let me let um, me check on them. Good old Hunter Ruby. You don't want to do that. So, there was a whole other discussion happening in there while we were recording, but that's okay. Ooh, stop. Okay, um, I'm not even going to get into it. Um, don't. That looks like some weird. <laughs> I told you you don't want to go in there. Not going to lie, that looks very weird, that emoji I see before me. Um, <laughs> um, we have some exciting announcements. Yes, okay, exciting I, I, I should probably get into these announcements. Here's the deal, folks. Here's the deal. And firstly, I'm going. Those of you who aren't watching on video will have no idea what we're doing right now, but at the same time. So, firstly, I would like to promote everything that we're doing currently, um, be it 
come join us on Discord. We've got Hunter, Ruby, all they're all there waiting for you to come. Uh, we, oh yes, we have a new Instagram, which will be brand new. Yes, brand new Instagram. New TikTok. We have a new TikTok. We have a TikTok. I made us a TikTok. I'm very excited. Um, I've oh, been yeah. thinking about making us a TikTok for a hot minute. I just agreed to make a TikTok for my ballet company. I'm making it here. Um, yeah, brand new Instagram. Hoping to get that up and running better than it was before. No offense to you who originally were um, running that. Um, we're hoping, we're really hoping in the next few, few weeks, few months to up the amount of people who are seeing us who are we're trying to get we're trying to um we're trying to spread like a, like a virus we're trying to spread like, a, like a virus exactly um and so in doing so created a new instagram um new tiktok we have um what else do we have we have an e uh business email we so if you know many people who are willing to sponsor us <laughs> um we like money we do like money um, for things that we would like we would that. do for free anyways but uh exactly here's money's always great money we live in a capitalist society money's always great money is um, material goods are just the best and here's the thing with that folks we we're getting the show on the road here and we our analytics just came in for spotify apple podcast the like and you know we just got a uh we just got ranked number 64 for Shakespeare and philosophy in Canada of all places and we how crazy is that how our second month in our second month in and we just want to say a huge thank you to um well everyone that's listening not just Canadians although we do appreciate you (laughs) we would like to say thank you to only Canada only Canada only Canada gets a thank you only Canada but finally for the big big announcement that you've all been or a fraction of you have been waiting for <laughs> oh, folks! We have a new podcast. We have a new podcast. We have a new podcast that goes because we've been thinking, and we've been it, the polls have been quite split between whether people like the banter, dislike the banter. I don't know, but uh, this podcast is um going to continue its old analytical self. But we have a new podcast, which is just us talking about what yeah. we find interesting. Occasionally having on a guest, um, a friend. Yeah, of ours. that was. Yeah, that was what. This was intended to be originally, and then it wasn't quite working. So we, we um, we threw a bunch of structure into it. Yeah, which we works, but yeah, we 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 really got we really structured it up. So now it, it's it's less of what we initially intended, which is not a bad thing. We very much still enjoy doing this, and we appreciate everyone who's listening. And we were yes. shocked to have blown up so quickly. But, but we, we said, realized that we do still we st- we we're still attached to the idea of just mindless banter. Um, and so we decided, hey, why not just go for it? Um, some, a little more stress-free, just kind of doing it because we really just want to do it. Um, would you like to? You're, those of you who want to see the beautiful personalities that we have can come listen to us, (laughs) Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you normally listen to us. But the, um, the name is called Listening In with Ty and Rowan. (laughs) listening guys in. i love it so much yeah i listening so, in with ty and rowan i love it so much it go, makes me so it brings me so much joy <laughs> it brings me so much joy i was surprised with this um when we hopped on this called record today um and i'm just so happy guys i we're gonna 
it's going to be great. And by the time that this episode is up, the first episode of Listening will also be up. So please come join us. It'll be a it'll be a hoot. It'll be a graveyard smash. It'll be fun. It'll be really fun. Yeah. Um, we got we've recorded the first episode. Um, and from what I've heard, it's really great. And it came out of a conversation <laughs> that I'm like still reeling over. Um, it was. Yeah, it was a really great time, and I think I'm very excited for the the edited version. I'm excited for what it sounds like. I love the cover design. I love it all. I'm very excited. Yeah. I don't know if you can tell. I don't know if you can tell how ready we are for this, how excited we are for this. <gasps> Go listen to it. Go find it. Go, Go listen, listen to, to it. it. <laughs> and it, it, the title, I well, the podcast, I don't want to spoil anything. Go listen to it. You now. You'll see why out. it's called what it's called. Yeah, and uh, this is not on YouTube, by the way. This is n- nor any social stri- media platform. Yeah, it's this be is strictly, strictly audio. audio. So please, audio. do come join us. Ruby asks, "Where is it on? Um, yeah, wherever any, you listen to podcasts, wherever you wherever Spotify, you listen to us, normally, you'll find us. Spotify, right there. Apple Podcasts, so be you. <laughs> that didn't, that's not a saying. <laughs> so be you." We've be come great. to the end of our time. You, yeah, um, yeah. I'm excited, guys. I'm really excited for so this new I. journey, this new chapter. Um, and this is not going anywhere. Just to be clear. Um, with that, <laughs> good night, bye. Folks. I think he's waiting on me to stop talking now. <laughs> good night, bye. <laughs>